This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Well, family, it's such an honor and a privilege for me to speak to you tonight as I conclude part four of our theme for this month of family values. And so let's just take this time and open up in prayer. You guys ready for the word? Let's open up in prayer. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I make it known that I do not trust in myself. I depend on you, Holy Spirit, to teach this word through me. And in advance, I will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees with that, come on, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Give me some emojis there, hands up or whatever it is, uh, whatever you want to do, just do it. Okay, all right, praise Lord. Are you guys ready for the word? I want to take also the opportunity and thank Apostle Theo, Dr. Bev, for the privilege to teach tonight. And tonight's word is going to be amazing, if I might say so myself. In week one, I started it and we spoke about building a lasting family and that we must not shape our God, but we must allow our God to shape us and we must provide an inheritance for our families. Remember that? And in week two, uh, Pastor Jenny came on and she spoke about hope for hurting marriages. And we see that prevalent in our society today, but there is hope for hurting marriages. And if your marriage is built on the rock again. And then last week in week three, we spoke about inseparable relationships. Teacher Paul taught us on that. And that was amazing. Some amazing testimonies that came out of that. And tonight we are conclu- concluding, <coughs> excuse me, concluding. And our, our title message tonight is a generational mentality. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Family, we find ourselves where things are being challenged in many, many areas of our lives, especially family values, especially values. And so as we come to a conclusion on this subject, um, I think it's all just really going to pull it together and we're going to take some next steps so that we can do this well as a family, establish some values in our families. Look at what the Bible says here in Jeremiah 6. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. I think we're standing at a crossroads in our nation, in our people, in our families, perhaps. And look, ask for the ancient paths. I love that. The ancient paths, the old way of doing things, the old roads, the old things. And ask, where is the good way? And then walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. So what I take out of that portion of Scripture is, number one, we are at a crossroads in our world, in our nation, in our society. And we see it, there are different values all around. People have got different perceptions of what values are. And what is good for one is perhaps unacceptable to another. And we have to ask ourselves, where are the values of the past? You know, you could almost say the good old days, and we're going to talk about that, the values of the past, where everybody really thought the same things. Many might say, this is the new normal, Pastor Johnny. Well, I'm saying it's not working for me. (laughs) Show me the old ways. Let me go back to maybe the way things was, you know, in terms of the values that we used to share as people. People are asking, what is the good way? You saw it in the scripture. What is the good way? Is there a good way? And should we, and how should we be taught to walk in it? Who's going to teach us to walk in this good way? It is ancient. It is ancient. 
but it's a good way, and we can trust it. Now, the church needs to be significant in showing the right way. And that is the purpose of this message today, family, is to help you show the ancient way, show you the right way in which you should go. Then, as it says there, rest will come for our souls. This is a promise from the Lord. If we are at the crossroads, we ask for the ancient past, where is the good way? We walk in it, we will find rest for our souls. And I'll tell you what, you speak to many people, people are saying, man, can we just not calm things down? Can, things not just, can we not just find rest for our souls? And that's what we are talking about today. It goes on in the book of Jeremiah and it says, but my people are not so reliable, hmm, for they have deserted me. They burn incense, incense to worthless idols. Goes on to say, they have stumbled off the ancient highway. I love that word. The ancient highways and walk in muddy paths. Now Israel found themselves in a similar place. Uh, when the prophet Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, which is also called the major prophets, they prophesied to the nation of Israel and to the kingdom of Judah. And they told them, listen, you need to change your ways. You can't go on this way. You can't burn incest to other gods and forsake God and then believe God must help you in your time of need. So Israel found themselves in a similar way. And we are to be careful today that we don't have or, or have a stiff-necked attitude but that we would listen and turn and return unto the Lord. So Israel found themselves in a similar place and the prophets of old or the church today is warning the people of Israel, is warning the, the church today to return to the Lord in the things of the Lord. You see, God is concerned, family, about our path and wants to reconnect us with Him. God wants to instill values into our lives, not just for now, but for even and the generations to come. Because you see, God is a generational God. The children of Israel always had a generational mentality. In actual fact, still to this day, the Israelites, the, the Israelis have a generational mentality. And they would recite this to their family all the time. Now, for example, those of you that are Jewish that are perhaps watching or those of you that study this out, you will know that on the Sabbath, they would always recite Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through to 9. It's called the Shema or Shema. And this is a promise of God that He will take care of the people and, they, and it is our duty to remind everybody of what God has done for them. So that they will never forget. Remember when you're coming in and going down, uh, going out, when you're rising up and sitting down, always tell the people, tell the family, tell the children, tell the elders, tell the young ones, tell everybody what God has done for us. Tell them what God is going to do for them. Now, if God would do that for them, then God will do it for us. So in this scripture, we see how we can have generational family values. Now look what it says here in Psalms. It goes on. It says, so the next generation, we will not hide, sorry, we will not hide these truths from our children. 
we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. Isn't that amazing? I just, 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 just love that. So it goes on to say, so the next generation might know them. You see, we have to talk about it. We have to speak about it. But you have to get together as a family to do that. Amen. You can't write somebody a mail or just phone them or whatever the case may be. Even the children not yet born. It's talking about future generations. And they in turn will teach their own children. This is talking about a multiple generations. Goes on to say, so each generation should set its hope anew on God. Are you setting your hope anew on God? Are you telling those above you, those beside you, those below you, the generations all around you to set their hope anew on God? Not forgetting His glorious miracles, all the things that God has done for you in your life and obeying His commandments. So we have to have a a generational mentality. Amen? So we are a dynamic generation. So we got to have a generational mentality, but we are a very dynamic generation. So many people, cultures and languages all around the world, we are different in many ways. It's, it's dynamic to say the least. I mean, look what it says here in Exodus. It says, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abram, listen to this, Abram, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. God says this because this is the ancient ways. God is a multi-generational God and has a generational plan. As we can see here, Abram, Isaac and Jacob. God is always speaking about generations. He didn't just say, remember Abram. He spoke about the generations and how it was passed down one to the other and how it has influenced the people of Israel and the Jews even to this day. You see, family, as I said, we have a generation above us, we have a generation beside us, and we have a generation below us. So let me look, let's look at let's look at it or illustrate it this way how it was in the ancient days. You'll see there we first had Abram. He was 175 years. That's a quite a long time, amen. So he was quite uh, um, old, and then he had his his first son, which was Isaac. Uh, he lived five years uh, longer than uh, uh, Abram to 180 years, and then we see here we have Jacob. Uh, well, he messed up somewhere, I think, because he only lived 147 years. So I'm not sure exactly what happened there. But watch this. Check this out. There is an overlap of all three generations, which tells us that the generations were all present when they were influencing one another. I am sure Abram spoke to Isaac. Isaac spoke to Jacob. But Jacob also had the privilege of speaking directly into the life of Jacob. Uh, Abram had the privilege of speaking into the life of Jacob. Or Jacob could come to Opa and speak to Opa Abram. And that speaks to a generational mindset. When you also look at it today, if you look at it in in what's happening today here, Uh, and the various generations, we see, first of all, that there's a generation called the silent generation, which roughly comes from the 1928 to 1945, just the end of the Second World War. I mean, uh, we have some silent generation people in our church. Amen. We can applaud them, right? 
And then we see, secondly, is that we have the baby boomers just after the Second World War until 1964. And I just got in on that one. I just, just got in on the baby boomers. So I'm a baby boomer. And then we see number three is that we get the Generation X from 1965 to 1980. And we have those also in the church. Same with the baby boomers and the Gen X. And then we go on to see, we have the millennials. The guys like to call themselves, I'm a millennial. The guys that were born in 1981 to 1996. So these guys are on their 20s now, going on to maybe 30s. And then we have this whole new generation, Z or Generation Z, which was born from 1997 and onwards. And maybe as we speak, it's maybe changed. There's another, there's another generation that has come. But here we see something interesting. This is amazing. That all these generations are at church today. Isn't that amazing? We have some silent generation people in our church. We have some baby boomers in our church. We have generation X in our church. We have the millennials in our church and generation Z or Z in our church. Five generations deep, we have all of that experience, all of those values in our church today. Now, can anyone figure out why there are so many uncomfortable situations and roles today? I mean, here you sit with a silent generation that doesn't want to say who or what. I mean, they were born in the previous, early in the previous century. I mean, the baby boomers. and then So these people all think differently. But yet, watch this, there is an overlap of all five generations. It's also an extraordinary moment when we get to pastor family five generations deep. Just think of all the values. Think of the experience. Think of the family. Think of what that can bring together for us as a church, as a family, as a nation, as a country. Amen? So we can see here all five generations are currently present and attending our church tonight, next week, the week after that. So we are a diverse generation. Now let me show you on this slide here. For the silent, the boomer, and the ex-gens, life is slower paced, all right? Uh, that is the good old days. I mean, we were not in a rush in those days for the people that were born in the silent, boomer, and ex-gens. We were not really that much in a... In a, in a, in a, 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 a there wasn't that much urgency. The pace was nice and slower. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, you would uh, still write letters in those days and maybe even send an email, you know, and things like that. Uh, life was slower paced. Uh, and a lot of people say, I miss those days because it was just so much more fun just to take it a little bit slower. It feels like things are opposite today. So for the boomers and the silent and the exchange, life was slower paced. When it comes to faith, there was a shared value. They didn't have the same faith necessarily, but they had the value. Listen to that family. They had the value of faith. They believed in something good. Thirdly, we see trust. There was a high level of trust. We trusted before we distrusted. And that led then all breeds into morality. There was a high moral standards. People upheld themselves according to the word of God. They had a benchmark, they had a standard. And the principle of Judeo-Christian values was incorporated in the family. 
And that's exactly, Judeo-Christian values speaks about family, putting God first, by family first, and then my job. And not neglecting my family and my values. When we look at the um, millennials and Generation Z, look at this. Life is frantic, man. These guys are working 50 to 60 hours a week. They're working even after hours. They're downloading their mails on their laptops and they're taking their laptops home. They're getting mails, WhatsApps on their phone. They're either on their phones or on their laptops or they're busy filing stuff. Or what. Life is just frantic, man. I mean, it never stops. These guys are, they, 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 it's not slow paced. It's frantic. And then we see for the millennials and the Gen Zs is that faith is at the margins. Faith is at the margins for this generation. There's no longer a shared value. You don't feel like you can talk to another millennial or a Gen Z, especially if they're not in church, about things of the faith or of the Bible. They just push this thing to the bottom and say, no, no, we're not going to talk about that. We're thinking about other things. Trust is broken. We distrust. Listen to this now. We distrust before we trust authority. And sometimes even the church. So this all led to immorality or a lack of morality or the morality question, what are their morals? And so we see that there's moral tolerance. Moral tolerance. So moving from high moral standards to moral tolerance. Tolerance means we all believe in a common value and people, listen to this very carefully now. We all believe in a common value and people have equal value. All people have equal value. We believe in that and all people have equal value. Now this has sadly changed with the millennials and Generation Z. People, uh, uh, we don't see tolerance anymore. You can just witness some of the things that's happened in the last couple of weeks in our country. You look at it for the last year, couple of years. People don't have tolerance for one another anymore. People no longer have equal value. Listen to this family, listen carefully. People no longer have equal value, but ideas have equal value. And if you were to disagree with my idea, I will devalue you as a person and not your idea. So if you don't like my idea, I devalue you as a person. And so we have moral intolerance towards one another. Because if you go against my idea, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to cancel you. If you come against my idea, I'm just going to cut you out of my life. So that brings me to this. We are a disconnected generation. We're not getting the values. We're speaking different languages and we have different experiences. We find ourselves in different places. And this is all being driven by the enemy, the devil. Look what it says here in the Bible. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. This is what the enemy wants to do to break the ancient paths or the opportunity to pass on these values. And that is really what God's heart is. So he's trying to get us off the ancient paths. Disallow us to pass on the values 
which is what God wants us to do. He wants the ancient path. He wants the values because that builds strong families. You see, in, in this time, because we've been pushed to the bottom, or, and when I come with an idea, it's not my idea gets shot down, but I'm as a person gets shot down. So we start building a wall all around us. And so in other words, this is what I believe, and I'm not going to pass it on because somebody's going to knock it. Somebody's going to then uh, insult me, not my idea. And so I, I just build a wall around me, and I'm just going to not say anything about this. I'm just going to, whatever, you know, just move on. Look at the danger of doing this. Watch this statement. Throughout human history, in all cultures, parents and grandparents have helped their young understand life and the future. However, I anticipate that a time is coming where technology and culture changes so fast that for the first time in human history, Children will have to figure out for themselves what their values will be. What a powerful quotation. I mean, this looks like the world that we find ourselves in today. Now, we can be discouraged by this family, or we can make a decision to change that we are in a relay race we are handing over the baton to the next generation, not only the work baton, but also the values baton, also the faith baton, also the morality baton. I mean, we have a responsibility. We have five generations in the church today, in our lives today. It is not too late. There are many generations and everybody must make a decision and must play their part in handing over the batons of these various things. I mean, let me give you an illustration. As you know, that I'm a runner. And I remember the first time that I did my first marathon, 42 kilometers. I prepared for it and I went out and I ran the, the marathon. But when I got to about 38 kilometers, I hit a wall, what they call it runners. I mean, you have no energy left. You, I just can't make it. And when I got to 38, I didn't plan well or perhaps I didn't train well or something, but I just hit the wall. And so it was difficult for me to try and finish the last four kilometers. And so I struggled all the way to the end. And the next time around, I decided I'm going to train, train better. I'm going to get my nutrition worked out better and all these kind of things. And so my next marathon, I ran. And when I got to 38 again, <laughs> that psychological wall was there again. And I felt it. And I, I thought, well, what, what did I do? Why did I not prepare properly for this? And I remember just at the point where I thought, listen, I'm just going to give up on this thing. I saw an old, very old lady run past me at 38 kilometers. I think she was of the silent generation, like 100 years old. And I thought to myself, no ways, man. This is not how it can be. I mean, I've got to now make the decision. Is she going to pass me? And I know now if she goes ahead of me too far, it's going to be difficult for me to reel her in. I mean, uh, so I've got to make a decision now to catch up with her and finish the race. Because if she passes me, I'm going to miss out on that opportunity and I won't be able to reel her in because a silent generation is definitely not going to overtake a boomer. Amen. So we can give up, family. But we can decide to change as it is all about God's people. And we got to make a decision to reel in.
the lack of family values that we find in our communities and in our families. We got to reel that thing in. Got to reel it in. Don't let it get away because if it gets away, you won't be able to reel it in. Look what the Bible says here. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Because you might be saying, how are we going to do this, Pastor Johnny? How are we going to witness to these people? What are we going to do? Ask the Lord, for the workers are few. Therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. In this time where we feel perhaps that, that it's inappropriate. No, let's ask the Lord for the workers so we can send them into the field. It is a place of work. You've got to work at leading people to the Lord. We've got to take on a generational mentality, family. I mean, the Apostle Paul was multi-generationally minded. I mean, otherwise the church, as we know today, would not have been established. I mean, here as a, as a, as a Hasota Pharisee, I mean, he said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. He then appointed Timothy, 16 years old, to pastor the church of Ephesus. Over 5,000 people in that church, 16 years old, different generation. Here's Paul, he's speaking to the apostles. They are much older than him. So he had a multi-generational mindset and knew that the kingdom of God was not about the ages, but it's about following the right path, the ancient path, the good way by preaching the gospel. We have to have a, so yeah, let me just say this. We have to have a generational mentality. We have to have a generational mentality because Paul says this, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That is how we have a generational mentality. What I receive from the Lord, I will also pass on to you. The Bible says this in Timothy, you then my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Family, we can see here, there's at least three to four generations that Paul is speaking about. He's saying, Timothy, you've heard me preach this to other people. Now you go and preach it so that they can preach it to other people. Four different generations he is talking about. Paul was multi-generationally minded. So number one, we personally receive from God. That's how you pass on the things of the Lord. You must personally receive it yourself. It's simple. It's your testimony, family, which nobody can dispute. It's your experience, how God has helped you through tough times, through the good times, how God has, through a prayer, has changed your life, your circumstances, whatever it is. And I want you to know, because we must remember, it's never too late to receive. It's never, you can't say, well, that's it. We're in the end times. It's too late. Sorry, you didn't make an election on that. No, it's not too late to receive. I want to actually challenge you tonight. Why don't you take the rest of this year and start passing on the baton to other people? Give this year of your life to do it and start growing a family value, a generational mentality that you can pass on. Come on, Uncle Rodney, perhaps you're watching me tonight. You may be maybe the second oldest guy here in the church, but why don't you start passing it on to your children and your children's children and their children? I mean, you are great opa. I don't know what you call it, opa Griki, all right? So that's the way we've got to do it. Look at this, number two. We intentionally pass on to others. 
Paul says we must entrust what I've entrusted to you, I must pass on to you. We make the mistake that we are not to throw the values at people. Sometimes we want to throw stuff at the next generation. Don't you just want to, can you not just, we want to throw stuff at them. Just start thinking. Why don't you do it right? You just want to throw stuff at them. We can't. Even if they wanted to, they don't know what to do with it if you throw it, throw it at them. We must entrust. We must deposit it in their lives. It's like when you have an investment or money, you go and deposit it at a bank, a place of safety, a place where it will grow a place where it will multiply, a place where you can withdraw it and take it to another place. That is how we are to entrust values. We must entrust it to them. We must care for it. We must nurture it. We must deposit it in a safe environment. So where do I start? You've got to answer this question. What is truth? People don't know what is truth today. Look what the Bible says here in John. Pilate said, so you're a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to this truth. All who have, all who love the truth, recognize what I say is true. What is true? Truth, Pilate asked. This is the fundamental question many people have today. What is truth? What is the right thing? Whenever we see brokenness, and dysfunction in families, we can for sure know they are not living out truth. Because where there is truth, there is freedom. The Bible says in John, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now the Bible and living it out, that is the truth family. And we are focusing on this here at Christian Family Church. We do it in our children's world. They get memory verses. We do it in the church. We do it with the youth. We do it in our groups. We want you to know the truth. It might be uncomfortable, but it's good for you. <laughs> Amen? But the truth starts with dads. Truth starts with dads. Look at this. If a family member comes to Christ, the influence they have on the rest of the family coming to Christ. The wife, only 18% influence. Kids, 22%. Amazing. But the dad, the father of the house, 94%. We can see that the father figure, men, you have to step up. You have to lead the relay race of life and of generations and pass on to your children and their children and their children so we can have a generational mentality so where do I belong Pastor Johnny where do I belong you create a home where they belong you share family values you tell them about the stories when Opa walked in the middle of winter with no shoes and froze his little toes off and you share those kind of stories with your children and your grandchildren and your great great grandchildren you get them together for special holidays for Christmas, for celebrating Easter. You tell them how good God has been to you. 
You tell them that they belong in this family. You tell them that you love them. They belong. Now you might feel that you don't belong. And I want you to know if there's no place for you somewhere, maybe you say, I don't have this family. I want you to know that this church be your family. There's no outsiders here. We are all just family. Amen. God wants to include you in his family. In Psalms, it says this, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. That's why we have groups, family. That's why we have groups, so that you, even though in a big church like this, you might say, but nobody's going to know me. You will be known when when you're part of a group. So here's the question. Does my life matter? The Bible says this in Ephesians, for we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. We have to have a generational mentality. We personally receive from God. We intentionally give to others. Build a generational or have a generational mentality build the family values pass them on give one year this year of your life to make sure that you can pass it on to your children so we don't have dysfunctional people dysfunctional families even in our brokenness we can be one and we can perpetuate a legacy for our families and values every head bowed every eye closed If you say, Pastor Johnny, tonight I have failed in the area of handing over the baton to my family. If you may be the one that's supposed to receive it, Pastor Johnny, I have failed to receive it because I don't like what my father is saying or my family is saying, and I've just rejected that. And today I realize that I cannot pass on something to my children and their children if I haven't received the baton from the previous generation. And the values of God and the Word of God, that's the values that we're looking at here. So we can also walk perhaps in the snow without shoes and tell people it was so cold on that day. We have to set our lives in order. If you want to restore your relationship with God or you want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, then I'm in a moment going to count to three and then you're going to integrate to me. I want to do that. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to restore my relationship, but also my family values. If that is you, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, you must know that you have eternal life. So I'm going to ask you there where you are, won't you raise your hand to yourself? Maybe just raise it for yourself and say, yes, that's me. I want to receive Jesus. Thank you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. I see, I see those hands by, with the eye of faith. I see those hands. I want to restore my family values, Pastor Johnny. Restore my relationship with God so that I can pass the baton on for my family. Now, congratulations to each and every one of you that has made that decision. Now, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer out aloud with me. You've got to believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Say this with me. Father in heaven, I thank you for sending Jesus who died on a cross for me. He gave his life for me so I can go free. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And from this day, I promise to serve you with all of my heart. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.